Uh, do keep your Bibles open at uh, Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, then let me add my welcome to Bantas. And say you're joining us uh, just as we finish a series on authentic humanity. What does it mean to be authentically, truly human? Uh, and this morning we're going to finish by thinking about work. The writer Jerome K. Jerome, here's something he said. I like work. It fascinates me. I can sit and look at it for hours. That's good, isn't it? Um, I like work. I, I can see it as a good, meaningful thing as long as it's at a distance. Um, which is tricky, isn't it? Because often work isn't at a distance. It's what we spend most of our time doing, whether it's working for a wage or working at home or, or other kinds of work. Uh, sitting behind a till, building machinery, sending emails between meetings. Uh, teaching at school, learning at school, changing nappies, driving the kids around. There's a government website that tells you uh, what age you'll be when your pension finally starts being dished out. Um, if anyone here, if any of the pathfinders are here, are 11 to 14s, uh, I checked it out for you. And uh, get this, you'll have to wait until you're 68 before your pension um, arrives. That's a long time working. And that's not to say you'll stop being busy when you retire. Uh, lots of people stay uh, doing lots of things when they finish paid work. Or if you're in a church small group, think about this. Uh, when you ask each other how you're doing and what you can pray for one another, how often is it that work comes up? Pretty often, right. Uh, here's something wonderful that happened at work. I'm really struggling with work at the moment. Uh, I've got an exam coming up soon. Please pray for that. Uh, pray for this work situation I have to deal with. See, work is a big deal for us. It takes up much of our lives. And yet we could well wonder, what's the point? What am I working for? What's the meaning of my work? Is it meaningless or does it matter? Uh, think of it like this. If someone asked you the question, why are you working, how would you answer them? Maybe something like this. Uh, I go to school so I can get a job, so I can earn money, so I can send my kids to school, so they can get a job, so they can earn money, so they can send their kids to school, so they can get a job, so they can earn money, and on and on it goes. What's the point? Or if you're a Christian, maybe you have this feeling that, well, the only bit of my work that's uh, Christianly significant is, is if I get into an evangelistic conversation uh, behind my till or uh, at my desk or around the water cooler. Um, that's the only bit that matters, which would make 99% of the time you spend working pretty pointless. Well. Those questions, why do we work, what's the point? God has things to, to say to us about that. Uh, and we can't say everything in a talk like this, but here are two big truths for our thinking from Genesis. Number one, work is a good gift from God. Uh, here's what I mean. Um, on the screens is the Bible's big timeline of history. In the beginning, God created a world that was very good. But because of our sin, 
Our world became fallen, spoiled. The good news of Christianity, however, is that God hasn't given up on sinful people. He's redeeming everyone who puts their trust in Jesus. And one day, those people and this world will be restored and perfected to enjoy glory forever. And here's the surprise when it comes to work. According to the Bible, work isn't something that entered God's world at the fall, uh, like thorns and suffering and death, and we've been cursed with it ever since. No, the Bible says work. Work was part of God's good creation in the first place. See that in Genesis 2 and verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Before anything went wrong, God intended us to work. Now, like all of God's good gifts, our experience of work in a fallen world is spoiled in all sorts of ways. The computer that crashes, the train that's late, uh, the people we work with wrong us, and we wrong them. Uh, sometimes we find work just absolutely shattering. But while our experience of work is spoiled, work itself is a good thing. And if you've been unemployed or you're unemployed right now, that'll resonate with you. That a prolonged period not working, it's not a happy holiday. Um, it's miserable because work is a good thing. It's why sometimes you get to the end of a long day and it's satisfying to be tired out from working hard because part of the goodness of God's creation is work. See, work is not a necessary evil. Uh, we might grumble about work like it's some chore we have to do. I do that. And Genesis tells me, Michael, what do you think paradise was like? Life in paradise included work. It's an echo of Eden. And even outside the garden, we still get to work. Michael, when's the last time you thanked God for that? Or we might see work as a means to an end that works only good because it helps us get the stuff we really want, uh, money, uh, success, comfort. And that kind of thinking, it's not all wrong. Work does get us good things. But work is good in itself. Pathfinders, don't find your identity in your exam results. Uh, find your identity in belonging to Jesus. And do your work just because it's a good gift from God's, even when there's no exam result to show for it. Those of us working, maybe we sometimes say something like this, it's just a job, the work I do. It's just a job, which could be okay. Or it could show that we have a lower view of our work than we should. A bit like when people say, it's just sex. No, sex, it's just this thing we do that's not particularly special. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just sex. And Genesis would say, think of sex way more highly than that. It's a very special thing given by God himself with great meaning. And in the same way, Genesis might say to us, think more highly of your work. It's not just a job. 
It's a very special thing given by God himself, full of meaning. And for you and me, that's linked to what it means for us to be human. Because here's the second truth. We were made to work. Uh, It's a bit tricky fitting together Genesis 1 and 2, but on a basic level, Genesis 2 is developing some stuff from Genesis 1. And as chapter 2 opens, God's work of creating reaches a climax. He's finished. The job is done. But as you move into chapter 2, the the kind of old thing that becomes clear is that creation, well, it's not finished. Uh, It's very good, but it's not complete. And verse 5 tells us what's missing. No shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. See, God's good world needs workers. There's a job to do and no one to do it. And so God, as well as providing water for the ground, verse 6, he forms a human being, verse 7. And then verse 15, God's put the, God puts the man in the garden with the job of working it and caring for it. He's made to work. Now, easy to misunderstand that. It's not that God is a slave driver making slaves to serve him, but that God graciously gives us a special role in helping his world to flourish, uh, to do work that needs to be done for the world to be brought to its potential. Uh, And he could have done it all by himself, a bit like a parent who uh, bakes a cake with their (laughs) two-year-old. They they could totally do it on their own. Um, They don't need the two-year-old's help. But God graciously gives us a grand purpose in his world to guard it, nurture it, develop it through our work. Now, I'm not saying God wants us to be workaholics. Uh, We are made to work, but we're also made to rest. The way chapter 2 opens with God resting from his work of creating, that leads to God telling his people in the strongest terms, take a day off. Rest. We need to hear that in busy Cambridge. But this does push against the idea that the good life is a life of leisure. Uh, You know, that the best way to live is just one holiday after another and really not doing any work at all. That could sound pretty good. (laughs) But try this. Uh, There was a fair bit about artificial intelligence um, in the news last week. Well, imagine, what if we got to the point as a society where all our work could be automated and done for us by machines? Uh, And it's not that we'd be unemployed with no food and and no money. Uh, All our needs would be met without having to do anything. Food and drink and entertainment and no work. Is that a future we'd want? Well, I think Genesis would say, no. A future without work would be bad for us. We're not made for inactivity. Actually, when the Bible does show us the future God's people are heading for, yes, it's a future of rest, but not inactivity. It's rest 
along with ruling over a new creation because we were made to work. That's part of what it is to be human. And so someone said this, that being pro-human means being pro-work, that a post-work future would be a post-human future. Because when we work, we're expressing our humanity. And talking about our purpose like this, well, it brings us back to thinking about God's image. That's what we thought about a few weeks ago, if you were here. How God intends for all people, male and female, to bear his image. And we saw that's tied up with these three sets of relationship. To image God is to relate rightly to him, rightly to one another, and rightly to the world. That's what it is to be authentically human. Uh, That's what we've all fallen from. And when we belong to Jesus, that is what God restores us to, remakes us in Christ's image. So we relate in those authentically human ways. And our work comes within that. Uh, When God remakes someone in Christ, he doesn't remake us to be idle. No, he renews us to work in an authentically human way, as God intends for his image bearers. So as we think about those questions, uh, why does my work matter? Uh, Why work? What's the point? We're going to spend the rest of our time just, just seeing how we image God in our work. Three ways that map onto those three relationships. First, see your work as cultivating creation. We started thinking about that. Uh, That's God's commission to humanity back in 1 verse 28. Having made people in his image, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the other creatures. Which could sound oppressive, uh, like it's us against the world. Fill it, subdue it, rule over it. But our rule is meant to reflect God's rule, rule that blesses creation. And chapter two fills that out really helpfully because what does it look like for Adam to exercise his rule over creation? It looks like gardening. Gardening, protecting this patch of ground from what would do it harm and working to bring out its potential. In other words, the Bible says, Think of work like gardening God's world, working to cultivate it and nurture it and develop it like a gardener does, pulling out weeds and arranging things to produce something that's beautiful to behold and fruit that's good to eat. Actually, if you flick over to Genesis 4 uh, and just cast your eyes over verses 20, 21, 22, uh, you'll see Adam's descendants doing that kind of thing. Uh, There you have people developing housing uh, and farming and music, culture and technology, cultivating the world around them in different ways like God commissioned us to do. And right down to today, when through work people have figured out a way how to launch a rocket into space and how to cure polio and how to transmit images across the world nearly instantly. It's amazing 
what people can do, because we're made in God's image with this commission. And we might not all design rockets. I mean, maybe here some, someone does. Um, but we all have this calling to cultivate God's world. And made in God's image, that's what we all do. From the child who plants seeds in the ground and builds their Lego, uh, to the programmer who arranges numbers on a screen, and the student who puts letters on a page, and the shop worker who arranges items on a shelf, to the bin man who clears away our rubbish, to the parents who fill the world with more little image bearers. So when you go to work, think of it like this. You're living out God's calling to cultivate His world. Well, that's the first thing. Next, see your work as worshiping God. You'll have noticed from Genesis 2 uh, that Adam's work is commissioned by the Lord and it's carried out before him. Adam getting his hands dirty in the garden might not seem very spiritual, but, but actually it's really spiritually significant. God really cares about Adam's work, which clashes with some views about God and work. Um, the medieval church, say, had this view that uh, God's only interested in your work if you give up a normal job uh, uh, to be a priest or a monk or a nun. Basically, your job is only spiritually significant if you're working for a church doing ministry. And the reformers of the 16th century, they recovered this truth from the Bible that all work matters to God, not just church work. Yes, the church needs pastors, but that doesn't make other jobs second class. All work can be worship because all work is done before the Lord. So when Paul writes to slaves about their work, he wants to encourage them, look, as slaves, you might think your work is worthless, but all work can be worship. Slaves work with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. He cares. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. The composer J.S. Bach, when he'd finished composing a piece of music, he would write at the bottom of it those letters, SDG, Soli Dea Gloria, to the glory of God alone. Well, here's the point. All Christians can write SDG at the bottom of all their work. You can write that at the bottom of every email, every nappy change, every toilet cleaned, every table served, every paper marked, every dish washed, every exam attempted. See, we're not to think that God's only pleased with my work if I manage to slip in something evangelistic. Now, he is pleased with that, of course. But one way a worker pleases God is just by being a good worker, by doing my work the best I can for his glory. That pleases him, whatever work we're doing. So when you go to work tomorrow, think of it as going to worship because you are. Your work matters to God. Finally, see your work as being with and for others. We can think quite, individu uh, quite individualistically about our work, uh, 
Am I satisfied with his job? Uh, am I living out my calling? Not bad questions to ask, but we, we need to see our work in relation to others. In verse 18, God says uh, that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And last week we saw it's no insult for God to, to refer to Eve as Adam's helper. If anything, it's maybe a little insulting to Adam. Uh, he can't do his task without her help. So God puts them together, someone to serve with and someone to serve in love. What does that matter for us? Well, God has arranged things so that we work with others for the good of others. He uses people's work to bring blessing to their neighbors. So just imagine you sit down to eat some bread, and before you eat it, you thank God for providing it to you. Well, that's the right thing to do. God does give us our daily bread. But here's the thing, how does he do it? He doesn't cause bread to magically appear on our plates, does he? When we thank God for that bread, we're thanking God for the people who baked it, for the lorry driver who brought it to the shop, for the farmers and factory workers who produced the ingredients, for the workers who packed it, for the builders who 30 years ago built the shop we bought it from, for the bankers who manage the bread company's investments so it can keep trading, uh, for the advertisers who told us the bread was on special offer so we went to buy it, for the shopkeeper who sold it to us, and for the many, many more people uh, who were involved, and all the teachers and parents and doctors who helped them do what they're doing to get that bread to our plates. God uses people's work for the good of others, all sorts of work that adds up together. And our work is part of that. God uses our work to bless others. When you sell something useful, when you paint a beautiful picture, when you take care of your grandchildren, when you see a patient, you are loving and serving people made in God's image. So if you never have, Consider how your work fits into serving other people, how it relates to others. How is it that your work serves people God has made under him? Well, I hope that's useful. Uh, our work might be hard and frustrating, but it's probably more significant than we think. Sometime now to reflect and pray, and then we're going to share Holy Communion together.